Today we'll be reviewing our favorite entertainment from the summer of 2023, and we'll be discussing melatonin. This is Doctor vs. Comedian. I'm Dr. Asif Doge, and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Every episode, I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment, and I question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic for medicine and health and grills me on that topic. Today, Ali and I will each discuss our favorite entertainment from this past summer. And we'll be discussing melatonin. So, Ali, we're getting back from a big break. We took a month off. Yeah, and if people are wondering why... You take time off. Just listen to Asif's voice. Listen to his energy. I've never yeah. heard, I've known in my entire life, never heard this type of energy. You sound renewed and refreshed. Yeah. I mean, the bad news is I was sick for a lot of that time that oh. we were off. So, well, well, keep doing it. It's working for you. Whatever it is, continue keep, it. Keep on getting ill and sick. Did yeah. you do anything interesting? No. And that's okay. You know, it's weird to say no, because we spent so much time with kids sports, mm -hmm. soccer tournaments and baseball tournaments. And then like the, the hockey here, I, I just don't know how I became this person. This is not me. It's not what I wanted out of my life, but the kids are happy. I had a lot of time at home compared to most summers and it was good. And full disclosure, everyone, I saw Asif Doja. In the summer, in the flesh. Okay. I saw you in the flesh. Not a lot of people like to see you in the flesh. Yep. It's, uh, but we did. He, Asif, lowered himself to coming to Southern Ontario. Are we Southern, yeah. Southwestern Ontario? Whatever this is, yeah. Toronto. Yeah. yeah. We saw you and your family in the hood. That was nice. That's how bad the summer was that that was a highlight. <laughs> huh? Just joking, obviously. Oh, no, sad. nice to see you guys. And it was a really at home type of summer. And for me, I think that's what the doctor ordered. That's good. Not a excellent. real doctor. Yeah. No, ex excellent. Excellent. Did you so, go? You've traveled? You've been around? Yeah. No? So I Pittsburgh, went to this Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh sexy, to the US, sexy Pittsburgh. In, yeah. To the US for my uh, cousin's wedding. I saw, I didn't see him, but my uncle and aunt saw him. Mike Tyson was staying at the same hotel we were staying at. So we got a picture of that. And then on my way out, flying out, I saw Kurt Angle. Do you know who Kurt Angle is in the airport? A wrestler. What's yeah, he's a wrestler. Yeah. He's a former real. Yes, a former real wrestler Olympic. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a gold medalist. Yeah. And Olympics. I know that because he would wear the, gold is it called medal. a unitard? Yeah, yeah. What is that yeah, thing yeah, called? Yeah. 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 He would wear that thing in the, yeah. which very yeah. few yeah. wrestlers. Singlet, I guess, is what they singlet. would singlet. call it yeah. in, in wrestling. Yeah. So he's a real wrestler. There was Andre the Giant and there was Kurt Angle. Those are the singlet guys, as far as I know. Yeah. I know that's a huge gap. That's probably incorrect. Andre the Giant had one strap. Kurt Angle had two. So yeah, Kurt Angle's a real gold medalist for the Olympics. He won two gold medals. That must have been exciting for you. I don't know if everyone knows you're a massive wrestling fan. Yeah, I didn't talk to him, though, because he was with his wife and his daughter, and I thought, you know what, I'll just leave him. And alone. you were too busy giggling to yourself yeah. uh, in a panic anyway, Yeah, probably. he was actually uh, had a huge opioid addiction, which he's overcome. So uh, anyway, so that's it. And then- Way to bring it down. We were just talking about something exciting, and then you got to bring up- opioid addiction. That's right. And shortly I will be going to Copenhagen for a conference very soon. I can report back about that. Yeah. Are you going to eat at one of the best restaurants in the world? Is it still open for yeah, a little Noma. while? Yeah. Noma it's is closing, right? It's closing in 2024, but yeah, I'm going with my friends. So That's I can report back to the, maybe I'll report back on your other podcast. Oh yeah. Please do. This podcast is delicious. Asif will remind me is the name. And we just talk about food and drink as much as our hearts will allow us to. And yeah, we'd love to have you talk about that. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then we could talk about the, you know, there's a lot of things about is fine dining over, right? So maybe we can do that. Anyway, you talk to your co-host about that, but let's also segue into talking about the rest of our summer, which is the entertainment we consume this summer. So shall we get on with that, Ali? Why not? Okay, Ali, I thought we would just recap because there have been so much stuff that's happened from an entertainment point of view this past summer. There's, of course, the writer's strike that is still going on, and now there's the actor's strike. Again, Ali is an actor, but in Canada, what's the name of your union in Canada? Our union is called ACTRA. ACTRA, okay. So ACTRA. With a C, and in the US, it's AFTRA or SAG-AFTRA. It's two different unions, but I believe they operate as one for our 
purposes when we talk about the strike. Mm -hmm. So SAG-AFTRA is- So you're not on strike right now. I'm not. And in fact, a show that I have, (laughs) I'm not on strike, a show that I'm on, Mm -hmm. Run the Burbs, is now airing in the US on the CW. Right. Because they need content. Yeah. Yeah. Which might be something we see more of for that exact reason. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, so we're not going to talk about the writer's strike, but that's an actor's strike. Well, because we have. Yeah. We've talked about the writer's strike before and actor's strike again, it's, it's harder for Ali because he's not part of that union, but maybe we'll see in a couple months if it's still going on, we can talk about the long-term effects of that. But interesting, a bunch of television shows came out this past summer, a bunch of movies that I'm going to talk about. Ali will talk about some other entertainment he's consumed. But a lot of stars can't do any press for these, which is very interesting, right? That's part of the Mm -hmm. agreement on the strike is that they're not going to do interviews. And I think you could maybe do an interview talking about other things, but you can't talk about current projects you're working on. So they're relatively strict about that. So, oh yeah, I thought we'd just go on and talk about some of the things we've seen. This will be spoiler-filled. I'm just going to tell people that. Not huge spoilers. I'm not going to ruin things for you. So I'm going to talk about a couple movies I saw and some TV shows, and then Ali will do the same for some of the entertainment he's consumed. So... Starting off, Ali, and I know everything I'm going to talk about, I know Ali hasn't seen except for maybe one show that we'll talk about that I finally caught up on after about a year of it being out. So we'll get to that at the very end. But in terms of movies, I saw Oppenheimer. So Oppenheimer was seeing the double bill of Barbie and Oppenheimer. have not seen Barbie yet. Oppenheimer. Why was it billed as a double bill? Why was it Barbenheimer? What was it? It was like a, it was like a social Barbie. media kind of thing that people said, "Just go see this as a double bill," because they're so diametrically different, right? In the end, it sounds like they're both very good movies. And so I think it's good, and it, 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 it's really helped the box office of both movies. Both movies have easily surpassed other movies like Mission Impossible and the new Indiana Jones movie, and certainly things like The Flash. It's great, you know, I think for, because again, these are just well-made movies. So I think that's a lot of fun that they did this. Oppenheimer is an interesting movie. I'm trying to describe it in a way. So A lot of people loved it. I went with my friend Brad, who thought it was one of the best movies he's seen in the past 10 years. Absolutely loved it. I think a lot of people love it. A lot of people saying it's- Wow, that's huge. A lot of people don't know Brad, and he's quite a miserable human being. So for him to say something like that is- Just kidding. Hi, Brad. Um, (laughs) I'm a big fan of Brad's. This movie is very interesting. So a lot of people say it's Christopher Nolan's best movie. I don't think I, I'm not sure I'd say that. I definitely need to watch it again. It does play with time structure like a lot of his movies do. Things kind of go back and forth. Yeah. I still haven't forgiven him for Tenet. I will never forgive, but I would go see Oppenheimer. Yeah, I know. You hate that movie. So yeah, I think everybody should see it, but I'm going to warn everybody about this. It's a three-hour movie, and at the end of the first two hours, which this is a bit of a spoiler, it cul- that end of the two hours culminates with the atomic bomb being detonated. And then slowly after that, they don't show it, but they talk about then the subsequent bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And after that point in the movie, I thought to myself, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. It is so good. The acting is superb. Everybody's great. Killian Murphy is excellent. Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, just so many good. And of course, Robert Downey Jr. is basically everybody saying this is his return to actually acting, right? We forget he's an excellent actor because he's just been doing Marvel movies. What? I thought Tropic Thunder was his return to excellent acting. Tropic Thunder is amazing. Probably cannot make that movie anymore. You can't, but like the multi-layered character that he played, yeah. it's insane. When he, anyway, yeah. that's for another time. So I think this is going to be, so so much of it was good, but the problem is there's another hour of the movie afterwards, and this would be a perfect movie. Ali knows this. In India and Pakistan, when they have movies, when they show movies in the movie theater, they always have an intermission, right? This would be a perfect movie to have an intermission in, and I would suggest- You get your samosas, you get your chai- Uh, You load up on stuff that is very not movie friendly. Yeah, popcorn would be ideal. But you get your chaat papri. (laughs) And then you you would go back and watch the other hour of the movie. In fact, I'm going to watch it with my wife because she doesn't want to watch it. She really loves Matt Damon and Robert Downey Jr. So I think we will see it for that. But I'm going to suggest where you watch the first two hours, stop it, and then the next day watch the last hour. I think it would be a much better experience. And I think it would have been probably, I wonder if it would be a better movie if he didn't jump around in time so much and just did it linearly. So you've seen it in the theater, just to be clear. You watched it in the theater, obviously. You will wait till it's available 
on streaming yeah. and you will watch it in two parts. Again, I think so. Though there's a lot to be said for watching an IMAX or 70 millimeter if it's possible to watch. I heard it's a completely different experience. I didn't watch it like that, but I heard it's amazing. So I don't know. It's a tough movie. I'm very curious as to what other people thought about it. There's also Christopher Nolan has a bit of a hard time writing women. And I don't think that really changes with this movie. There's some real, like the very layered performances and so much the supporting cast does a great job. Josh Hartnett is in this movie. I didn't even recognize him. I thought he kind of dropped off the face of the earth. So he, he's in this. Where do we know Josh Hartnett from? He was like, I don't know, a kind of a heartthrob in like the late 90s, early 2000s. I remember. Yeah, that's, I don't know those movies, but that's exactly how I would describe yeah. him. Just a sexy Channing Tatum. Yeah, exactly, like, uh, exactly. Good, good looks. Then now he's just playing a middle-aged guy. It's great, I thought. Emily Blunt's character, I think, doesn't have that much to do, but she's very good in the movie. So anyway, that was Oppenheimer. I saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which is a fun movie. I suggest people kind of go see it if they like Indiana Jones. I like the one thumb semi up. I, I suggest people maybe go see it. What a... What a half-hearted... I think it's fun. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is in it, and we all love her. She's hilarious from Fleabag and many other things. I think she's she's really good in it. It's nice to have kind of some closure for Indiana Jones. I think it's a good movie. I don't think they embarrass themselves uh, with it. So I think that's a lot of fun. And then the other movie I'll mention that I saw is The Flash, because it's a bit more controversial in terms of The Flash. So this is a DC movie, like based on the comic book character, The Flash, played by Ezra Miller. And Ezra Miller has had a lot of issues recently that have been in the press. Basically, the guy is, has been canceled and he probably should be canceled. He's a very problematic figure and I don't really defend anything about him. But then it's tough because they had this movie they spent hundreds of millions of dollars on and he's the main character and there's no way you could recast him because it's like he's the main character and it has to do with time travel. It's kind of trying to be a Back to the Future style movie superhero movie it's been panned because it has very bad special effects at some points which it does the best thing about the flash and this isn't a spoiler because it's been in all the previews and posters is that michael keaton returns as batman in this movie and you watch michael keaton as batman and you think to yourself yeah you think to yourself oh my gosh they left money on the table for the past like 20 years right michael keaton stopped being batman in like the early 90s yeah, I understand he was doing other things, but like since about 2000, and we, he's had a career resurgence in more dramatic movies and TV shows, as we've talked about on the podcast. He's been in Birdman, he's been in Dope Sick, lots of other things. But he is so good as Batman, they could have just been printing money, right? They could have mm. still done Christopher Nolan Batman movies, the Robert Pattinson movies. They could have done all those things, and at the same time, just make a Batman movie with an older Michael Keaton playing Batman. They would have just printed money because he's so charismatic. He's so good in the movie. It's the best part of it is just seeing him playing Batman again, wow. and, and it's it's a wasted opportunity for them. That is not in theaters. The Flash that you saw it. It was. You're right. A lot of these things are going straight to streaming, but it was in the mm. theaters. It, but the it's theater. going to be on streaming probably within the next couple of weeks because it didn't do very well. Lost money. Again, we talked about this before when we did our James Gunn and Guardians of the Galaxy 3. James Gunn is kind of rebooting the whole DC universe. And so this was a, a left-behind movie, which is neither fish nor fowl. It wasn't part of the new hmm. DC movies, but it's kind of a remnant of the old one. So where does it fit in, right? That was the issue. And then in terms of TV shows, a lot of the ones I watched this summer were kind of returning ones. We talked about The Bear on a previous episode. I finally caught up with season two of the bear which is so good it's such a fun show it is great this season focuses on them opening up their fine dining restaurant and there's two highlights again i won't spoil anything for there's two highlight episodes one focuses on a trip to copenhagen for the person who plays yeah perfect for you and so yeah so that was really fun and has an interest some interesting guest stars in that and then there's one which focuses on richie and he learns how to do staging. Is it called staging? Stage, mm -hmm. right? You know, in a restaurant, is that what it's called? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I've never heard it as staging, the English word. But maybe they do but say stage, that. But yeah, yeah. stage, yeah, yeah. Yeah, stage, yeah. That kind of position. And he goes to a fine dining restaurant to learn that. And it's just one episode devoted to Richie. And then you realize Richie, who is probably my least favorite character in the first season, is like amazing. Like you totally mm. love him by the end of it. It's a really good episode. So uh, He's a phenomenal actor. Yeah. And that is why he's your least favorite 
That's right, because he's doing a good job. Exactly. Exactly. Other returning shows, What We Do in the Shadows. Again, this is the vampire mockumentary. So funny. Like, I laugh out loud at that show. Harley Quinn is back again for another season. If you guys want to catch up on Harley Quinn, this cartoon, it's on Netflix. In the most recent seasons, not, but the other seasons are. And some of my friends have caught up on it. And again, it's laugh out loud. Funny, very inappropriate. Never watch it with your With apologies to all the nerds, this is all animated. Is that right? Yeah, Harley Harley Quinn Quinn is is animated. And then two things that I caught up that I think you might be interested. Well, one I know you've seen is I watched FUBAR which is this Mm -hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger Netflix series. And I was surprised. uh, Again, it was when I was sick, and I didn't really feel like watching anything that took too much mental energy. So I just kind of watched this. It's basically like a fun action movie done over like eight episodes. The plot is Schwarzenegger is a spy who's about to retire, and then he finds out in the first episode, this is not a spoiler, that his daughter is also a spy in the same agency, and they were both undercover and didn't realize that they were both spies working for the CIA. Anything that has a sous-son of true lies in it, I'm in. Yeah, this I'm is in. And that's probably yeah. why I think everybody loved true lies so much that they're always like, what can we do? That, yeah. Like, you know, hints at that again. This is basically true lies, the TV show. His daughter is played by a woman named Monica Barbero. I don't know her from before, but she's great. She's really good. No, I'm just trying to think of anybody else you know in this show. Oh, of course. Jay Baruchel, who you've starred in TV shows with before, he plays the fiancé of the daughter. Okay. Gabriel Luna. People know Gabriel Luna, the Mexican actor. He's great. In this, oh, Scott, like Tom, oh, Scott Thompson's in it too. Scott, Scott Thompson. Thompson. That's that. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Gabriel Luna is American, not Mexican. I apologize. Adam Pally guest stars. I love Adam Pally And Tom Arnold, who was also in True Lies. So again, this has nothing to do with True Lies, but is very inspired <laughs> by True Lies. Yeah, of course. Of course. Oh, good stuff. All right. I'll watch it. It's totally fun. But if, again, if you think you'll like it, check it out. If not, don't. And then the other show, just to finish off, that I finally caught up on after a year, and Ali recommended to me was Severance, which is the Adam Scott show directed by Ben Stiller, most of the episodes. You've seen Severance, correct? Of course I have, but I recommend things after having watched them. But yeah. yes, I definitely saw Severance. I was so, so, so impressed by Severance. It is such so a good. great show. I really couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how funny it was. It was much funnier than I thought it was going to be. A real dark funny, not laugh yes. out loud funny, yeah. but yeah, definitely dark funny. And Again, we talk about acting, and we talked about Oppenheimer and the amazing acting. I mean, Severance, the acting in this show, is so yeah. good. Adam Scott is perfect in it christopher walken's amazing john turturro really like just a master class in acting i do think adam scott should probably win the emmy for best actor but it's it's such a great show and the thing i really like about it, there's lots of mysteries in it but the show keeps moving forward and by the end like definitely i won't spoil what happens in the last episode but like the house of cards falls down and then you really want to know what happens next season now of course things are delayed because of the writer's strike and the actor's Mm. strike so we probably won't see that the next season of severance till 2024 i would think but anyway so that was good so finally i got around to watching one of ali's recommendations from before so that's it for me ali what about you what have you consumed this definitely not as much as you have again your life and your ability to use time in your favor for watching stuff it's a mystery i'll be honest when i was sick all the shows i mentioned what we do in the shadows harley quinn foobar severance those are all during this time i was sick so i was sick for a couple weeks okay i really had nothing else to do so i'll cop to that that the other one and then the other movies i saw in the theater obviously i'm glad you mentioned severance which is from last year because that means we can talk about things that we watched this summer Mm -hmm. that came out before this summer Mm -hmm. So I watched a show called The Sopranos on HBO. No, I'm just joking. Imagine. (laughs) I watched a movie called Casablanca. No, I was sheepish about this. I finished Succession over the summer. Mm. I just didn't have the time. I think it came out in early April, late March. And, you know, you spend time with these incredibly compelling characters. I think we talked about this. There's no reason I should like Succession, particularly me, who has a gut turning a reaction to people who are are like this. Like yeah, you're this, anti-capitalist, this you're anti-kind of big business. 
Yeah, and I'm the corruption that lives in the favors and the nepotism and all this cronies, all this kind of stuff. It's gross. It's absolutely gross. And the fact that I love this show says a lot about mm -hmm. this show. It all of a sudden becomes very, very interesting. But I consider this to be just flawless acting. Some of the storylines a bit contrived, you know, to move story forward. You know, I'll say that, but... I don't care. Like the acting performances are so great. I also like the way it ended. And it's almost like you're closing the chapter on people you knew and friends of yours. Like, hey guys, I guess we're done. We're not working together anymore. Mm -hmm, it really feels mm -hmm. like that. Succession was finalized and zero spoilers. Won't give you any, although the internet will have given you a thousand already, but that was great. Finished Never Have I Ever. Okay. Yeah. I haven't. I haven't. So no spoilers. I'm still starting Take it easy. Take Everybody it easy. relax. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you that, you know, it's very, it, it is actually difficult, especially when they're at a certain age, you're trying to keep them in that high school age and this kind of stuff. But these people are like getting older and they're like growing out of their characters a little bit. And I don't know if it ended as strongly as it started, but I remain a fan of that show forever and what they did, what they created and the success they had. Big fan of all that. Sex Lies of College Girls. Have you seen this show? No, but it's another Mindy Kaling show. It's another Mindy Kaling produced show, yeah. I found it fantastic. I mm -hmm. also found it really like laugh out loud moments. I didn't watch it because I'm like, hey, you don't need a 50-year-old man watching something about the word sex and college girls in it. What the hell? My daughter told me you'll probably like it. And that kind of opened my mind. Okay, maybe it's not what I think it is. It was quite good. It's quite good. Some of those acting performances were a little weak and some were absolutely phenomenal, but throughout like the comedy of the show and the story I thought was, was quite good. And finally I finished Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, oh, which yeah. are you even, I don't even know if we've ever talked about it. Have we, you watched it at no, all? We did a whole episode about it. Oh, we did a whole but episode. But I only watched, I've only seen the pilot. That, that was, a, that's what that it was is. a thing. There was, so. Yeah. Again, just closing the chapter on, you know, something I felt like I was so part of. And it was like, really, I enjoyed the show. Again, difficult for them to end as strong as they started, which is a good reason to maybe wrap it up as well. You don't have to do a tense. But I really thought the woman who plays Mrs. Maisel, the lead, was fantastic, surrounded by, you know, Tony Shalhoub and just this fantastic cast of people. It's, I think it's worth watching. I remember hearing an interview with Tony Shalhoub where he was saying that they do a couple of weeks of prep, which is unheard of. And we talked about this on the, on the episode we did. I remember that's amazing because it is filmed like a, a music video a little bit. The camera is spinning and people have mm -hmm. to land on their marks here. And it's like unedited for like three, four, five minutes. Sometimes it's, I, I really found this show to be supremely entertaining. And because of my own love for comedy, this we talked about how it's like basically a Joan Rivers ripoff. And so mm -hmm. once you can get past that, it's, I don't know, you watch it for what it is. And, and I found it really interesting and very, very entertaining. And then finally, just to rub in how I'm better than you, I read a book. I read more than one book, but one book I really want to recommend is a book called A History of Burning, written by Janika Oza, debut author. Really quite phenomenal. Now, for me, I know there's like a personal interest. I really love these stories, but it's a multi-generational saga. A kid who starts in India is kind of conned, and I'm not spoiling anything because that would be in the description of the book, is conned into going to work in East Africa mm -hmm. and makes his life and his family's life and you know generations are formed. You know, it's the same thing we've always talked about. Like if your dad had not gone to New Brunswick, who mm -hmm. would you be today? So it's that whole thing. Like if this guy hadn't come to Uganda, who would his family be? What would, and, and some might've been better off. Some might've been worse off. And then the, after Africa, they moved to Canada because they were in Uganda. Some people who are knowledgeable enough about this era of, of history know about Idi Amin and kicking out anybody who was not a black African in the seventies. And so it's about a time and place and families that were really interesting, but it's also incredibly well-written and it spans three mm. continents and multiple generations of families. And I couldn't put it down. I found it so, so engrossing. How did you hear about this book? I heard about this book through my friend J.L. Richardson, who was a book columnist, and now her main thing is that she is a producer of a festival, her own literary festival called the Festival of Literary Diversity in Brampton, Fold, F-O-L-D. 
Org is the festival. I'll give that a plug. She's fantastic. She does amazing work. And she said, I might enjoy the book. And she wasn't wrong. So that's what I can talk to you about. A book. Now, let's not leave this episode with you feeling inadequate. Mm -hmm. I have questions about a product that you know quite well. And I wanted, I've been wanting to talk about this for some time. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about melatonin. Mm-hmm. I have taken melatonin once. I was on the road with a comedian friend of mine. He offered it to me. You know, he took it for a nap. And I've since learned that maybe that's not the best idea. But I'm also a very, and I didn't take a full, whatever it was, pill or capsule. I took a smaller amount. I have a very kind of drug-friendly body, like... I know a lot of people who like, they'll have a headache, they'll take some Advil and they'll be like, doesn't even work, doesn't do anything. But in any medicine I take usually has the intended effect on me. Mm -hmm. You know, my body, I don't take medicine often, I guess. Maybe that's why. It is not good to react well to melatonin is what Mm -hmm. I found. Certainly not midday. I was groggy for, I mean, I don't even, six hours. So you took it during, in the day? You didn't take it? Took it in the day because we desperately needed a nap. Because we had a show that night and we'd been traveling and we were like, I got to get, you know, and yeah, I just, I think the other, you know, I'm out, I'm out West, I'm in Calgary. So instead of waking up at 7am, I'm waking up at Mm 5am. So I was in a bit of a panic. I was like, I absolutely need to rest. Otherwise this show is not going to go well. The show is a lot of like, you know, crowd work off the cuff mm-hmm. improv. I need to have like a really sort of a clear mind. And so I took it and I probably will never take it again. But ever since then, and I remember being a little pa- like, what am I taking here? What is this? And my friend explained to me that it was all natural. But since that day, now, of course, this is what happens in the human brain. Once you're in tune with something or attuned to something, you mm-hmm. see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I really do feel like compared to 10 years ago, there has been this proliferation of melatonin. Many people use it. Many people swear by it. I meet a few people who, like myself, are, are not very interested. But I want to ask you, so first thing, tell me what melatonin is. And is it always a natural substance? Do you have to be careful about how you... Well, yes. Very interesting questions. And definitely there's been lots of studies that say its use has been increasing over, say, the past 20 years or so. So definitely you're correct. That's well borne out in studies, what you just said. So it's actually a hormone that we produce in our brains and in our bodies. And it's created in something called the pineal gland, which is a small little tiny gland that's basically right in the center of our brain. Okay, that's one of the functions of it. And it was first isolated from a cow pineal gland in 1958 by a guy named Aaron Lerner. So the actual name of melatonin, the the chemical name is 5-methoxy-N-acetyltryptamine. Okay, but we call it melatonin. And it's mainly produced in this pineal gland, but it's also produced in other tissues as well, especially the GI tract. So it's similar to adrenaline or things that we produce naturally yeah, in our yeah, own body. Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. Okay. So these are yeah, so hormones. We'll get into why people take it exogenously or take it as a supplement. Yeah. So we know that melatonin is the synthesis and creation of it in our body, and the secretion is enhanced by darkness. Okay. And it's inhibited by light. So If in a normal human who's just walking around, the secretion will start after sundown and then reaches a peak in the middle of the night between two and four in the morning and then decreases, okay? So now we see how melatonin is related to sleep because you get peak levels of melatonin in the middle of the night when you should be asleep. The thing is melatonin concentrations vary with age. So infants, so do you remember, Ali, when kids start sleeping through the night around? No, I'm, uh, God, it's embarrassing. I do have four children and I should know the answer to that. I don't remember. So usually about three or four months, okay? Infants increase very low levels of melatonin before three months of age, and then it increases. So you can see that's around the time that kids will be sleeping through the night and their melatonin level goes up. I'm certainly not ever, ever suggesting you give a baby melatonin, okay? You heard it here first, folks. Sleep through the night. That is crazy talk. You can never do that. We'll talk about using any kids, older kids later, but definitely I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm just telling you that's an example of how it regulates our sleep-wake cycle. Originally, after it was 
discovered, then we thought, okay, well, we can derive the melatonin to give to people. And that was from the pineal glands of cows, sheep, or pigs, right? But the concern with that was, we remember in like the late 90s, the concern about mad cow disease, right? Which is a prion disease. We'll do a separate episode all about prion diseases because they're very interesting. But this mad cow disease that was kind of going on. So eating brains especially, and the pineal gland is part of a brain, so is a bit sketchy. So about 30 years ago, they started to develop chemically synthesized melatonin, which is synthetic melatonin. So that was cheaper and didn't have the safety concerns. So that's why they ended up starting to do that. The idea is melatonin regulates what's called our circadian rhythms, our sleep-wake rhythms and cycles. So if you take melatonin, you will consume it, and then it works in about 60 minutes. And it helps to initiate the onset of sleep, right? So that's basically how it works. Okay. It is an interesting idea for a script, right? Taking brains of human beings and taking out their melatonin so other people, the rich, the wealthy can sleep. Yes. Reminds me of a book called The Marrow Thieves, where the marrow of indigenous people was something that was hunted because now I can't even remember what it did for like wealthy people, wealthy whites. They were, they benefited from this. Yeah. Yeah. It's a crazy story. But anyway, you're in that world right now. And I encourage you to start writing right. that script so just, but just, me, just so you know yeah. hold on the synthetic one is just completely synthetic made in a lab of course of course but before yeah. you said synthetic i was like wait a minute there's we got a uh, we got a movie on our hands bro you, know, yeah. you, you you mentioned how long it's been around for and it, it was discovered what was that dr Lerner? that was the 50s or 60s yeah, yeah 50s 50s yeah Let's get to why are people taking it now? I can see, given what it offers, people who do shift work, people Mm -hmm. who do, pardon the pejorative term, but graveyard shifts and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, you are now trying to sleep at a time where melatonin is not being released, so your body is sort of fighting in. So I can understand that that might be something people need based on their shift, but most of the people I know, in fact, the vast majority, are people who just need to go to bed at a somewhat somewhere between 10 p.m. and 1 a.m., and melatonin seems to be the way to go. Why is it so prevalent? Is this more a question about society? I think so. I mean, it it is something that can work. So the things that we know it works the best for is things like regulating people who have shift work and jet lag, a couple other things which which I'll mention. But so shift work, you basically have this what's called a delayed sleep-wake phase disorder, which basically you have shifting of your sleep-wake times later than societal norms. Sometimes that can happen just because of bad habits. So you can think of a teenager staying up late, playing video games, and now they're sleep, and then they sleep in the morning, right? So that's one thing. But as you mentioned, people who have shift work, that's a part of their job, and that can cause difficulty waking in the morning, excessive daytime sleepiness. So then you can take a melatonin at precise times to help regulate your sleep-wake cycle once you're back off your shifts, right? And so that's definitely a good use for it. Another one is jet lag. So there's pretty good evidence. It's still about 20 years old, but where you can eliminate the effects of jet lag in travelers, especially if you're going eastward. And I think Ali and I have traveled enough. You know, when you're going east, especially from North America, going east, your body's like destroyed, usually going east. And like when I go to India or the Middle East, it takes me like 24 hours to kind of recover. I'm so fatigued. Going west, so coming back is not as bad, right? Usually you're okay. So especially going east over five time zones, it's been found to help. Okay. Another use for it is in blind individuals, because we talked about how melatonin you need to like have these light cues. So your retina and your eye is very linked to melatonin being released. So in blind individuals, you don't have those light cues. So again, they may have a non-24 hour sleep-wake rhythm disorder because they're not getting those cues of the sun rising and setting, right? So because of that, that can help them kind of regulate their sleep. And then the thing that I think people are using it the most for Ali is insomnia. 
We should do a whole episode about sleep. And I think there's some guests I'm going to try and get on. There's some people who, who definitely know more about sleep disorders than I do. I would be nice to get somebody on to talk about these things. But insomnia, you can take it. I've certainly taken it myself for insomnia. And that's what Ali was implying. Like, I've taken melatonin. My kids have taken melatonin. So I'm not against melatonin at all. But I would say a small dose at nighttime if you're having trouble falling asleep, Right. Having trouble falling asleep from insomnia, you could take a small dose, one to three milligrams. The problem is if you have trouble staying asleep, so you get up in the night, you can't fall back to sleep, that's a bit different, right? You don't necessarily want to be taking that immediate release melatonin at like 3 a.m. when you wake up because that's going to disrupt your sleep-wake cycle. So there's also a slow-release melatonin, which releases small amounts over the course of the night that can help you stay asleep. Okay. Okay. That's for people who get up repeatedly throughout the night. Yeah, that's right. Now, you may have other reasons for that, like sleep apnea, which we've talked about. Yeah. I would hope you're asking those questions. You know, somebody right. says, I'm not you, but any, any doctor, it's like you find out that somebody's having a dozen tequila shots before bed, maybe melatonin's not the answer. Exactly. So, okay. You would recommend melatonin to people who are trying to get full nights of sleep. Is that right? Yeah, I think for sh especially if it's shift work or jet lag or shift work and jet lag, yes, yeah, and then people who are struggling to sleep with insomnia, maybe, and then uh, yeah, yeah, possibly. Yeah. Okay, good, yeah. good, good. That's the right answer. Yeah. Depends yeah. on a bunch of things. Yeah, who else does melatonin? benefit if anybody. Yeah. So there's a lot of other actions that melatonin has. So we know it's involved in blood pressure and cardiovascular regulation, the immune system and your eye functioning, your retinal functioning. This is your own melatonin in your body does all yes, this. Yes, that's thing. right. And in theory, exogenous melatonin taking this pill would also do this. And probably the thing that people get excited the most about is it is a free radical scavenger. So that's an antioxidant, right? So when we talk about ad antioxidants, that's what they're doing. They're scavenging these free radical particles. And so that has the potential for offering protective functions against things like neurodegenerative disorders and cancers. Now, this is all very preliminary, basic science, like animal model evidence. And I don't think that we can recommend it necessarily for all people, but the free radical scavenger and antioxidant functions of it are pretty exciting for people. And they think that maybe it could be used in other disorders. So for example, in dementia, could it be used? Now, of course, in dementia, you might want to use it anyway, because sleep-wake dysregulation occurs in patients with dementia. We also use a lot in migraine. There's some evidence for using it in migraine, but again, poor sleep affecting migraine, we can see how these things may be related. So it may not be a neuroprotective or antioxidant effect that's going on. The other thing that we use it is in autism. So there have been a lot of patients we see with either a brain a malformation or a neurologic problem, especially kids with developmental delay or autism, will have disrupted sleep. And it's very problematic for the patients and for their families, right? Their caregivers, patients, you ever want to torture somebody just like disrupt their sleep every single night for like a year, right? That's, hmm. It's very difficult. A year? These kids are like, you know, why would they? It's every night, right? So this is why it becomes so difficult for them. So, but in autism, they know that children with autism are deficient in enzyme called acetylserotonin O-methyltransferase or ASMT. That is involved in the body making melatonin. You know, so when you give children with autism or neurodevelopmental disabilities melatonin, you're increasing the levels of melatonin in them and perhaps re helping to regulate their sleep. Sometimes those patients need a higher dose than normal, and so you should definitely be talking to your physician about that. But I think I think that is another promising area. Like I said, everything else, using it in cancer and all this stuff, I think it's all still theoretical. I don't think there's anything super solid that I could come across in my research. Okay. When you recommend it for kids, it's the same thing. It's because of trouble sleeping. Yeah, I would recommend a small dose, like one to three milligrams. Sometimes and what a age? Dose. So what age do you start? I probably wouldn't use it under someone less than five years of age. I would be a bit hesitant. Again, it's all individual, and that's something we, you could talk about with your pediatrician or neurologist. But again, there are some concerns that, that are becoming, you need to be very careful about this. First of all, 
Children often can't swallow pills, but they are having dissolvable pills and they have gummies, but I'll get into the gummy problem in a second. There's a couple of studies that look at phone calls to poison control centers because of inadvertent melatonin ingestion in children less than five years of age, and that has significantly increased. A report from the U.S. said that melatonin ingestion, inadvertent ingestion, rose by 530% between 2012 and 2021. Wow. The largest spike occurred between 2019 and 2020, according to this data. So it's becoming more increasing. So they're getting into this. So why are they getting into it? Because it's available well, in the house more plus. Available in the house. And it reminds me of when we were talking about edibles. Right. Right? Once you have something in a gummy form, mm. kids are conditioned to think gummies are right. candy. Delicious and not medicine or not, you know, medicinal in the case of marijuana. Yeah. And the other issue is remember, melatonin is not a regulated drug, it is considered a natural supplement. So there's no criteria for the amounts. So it is governed by various organizations in Canada and the U.S. So it's not like it's not governed. But when studies have been done that looked at the contents of melatonin in them, it can be very variable. One study, which I'll link to, found that it contained the melatonin that they were studying contained 347% more melatonin that was listed on the actual label. And that was a gummy. Because the study was specifically looking at gummies. So you might not be getting the, you might be getting a huge excess amount. Some of them contain serotonin, which of course serotonin is involved in the production of melatonin, but you shouldn't be just taking serotonin into your body. That could be very dangerous, especially if you're taking too much. And one of the gummies didn't have melatonin. It was just CBD or cannabidiol, like from cannabis. Mm. But it says melatonin on it. So you have to be very, very careful about this. And I feel and like you should have led with this. I can't believe this is the end of our conversation. <laughs> you're mentioning this. This is huge. Exactly. Is- yeah. So I, I don't know. So this one study basically looked at 31 over-the-counter melatonin products, and they found that the percentage of melatonin was either minus 83% or up to plus 478% of that was listed on the, oh, on the label. Listed. Unbelievable. I mean, so Dude, you have to I can't you really buried the lead on this. This okay. is like huge news. You're the worst journalist. This is a big I'm story. A journalist now? I don't know. You oh. could have been. But, could but have been. no, you failed your audition. That's terrible, dude. I cuz I you know, as I told you, the one time I had it, that grogginess was right. it was as if somebody made me incredibly jet lagged. Right, right, exactly. I just couldn't get up. I couldn't move. There was nothing I could do to get so, myself going. You know the reason why that was a bad idea. Okay, we'll get into the side effects maybe right now, but it's because melatonin does not peak in the middle of the day when the sun is out, right? So you're taking it at a completely wrong time, so you're going to feel like it's 3 a.m. This is what shift workers would do, and I took a small amount, and it was meant for, you know, a two, three-hour nap. Yeah, people who are shift workers, there are protocols you can follow online that kind of tell you how to kind of regulate the melatonin dose and when you take it. So it's very important to do that. Same thing with jet lag. There's lots of good studies and advice about how to take the melatonin when you're jet lagged. Are there brands that are more reliable? Would this worry about, what was it, 80% less or 400% more? It is kind of hard to find good advice on which brands to use and which brands not to. And part of it depends on whether you're in the U.S. or Canada, I know. So it is kind of stressful to try and figure that out. And again, it's another concern. Yeah, you've gotten me very stressed, actually. I will never use it. Well, okay. So other side effects, daytime drowsiness is the big one. I do find after I take it, I do feel a bit groggy the next morning. I don't quite feel the same as when I don't take it. So I don't. That's what about the night of? Could some burglars come into your house and like steal the watch out of your side drawer as you sleep? Because you're such possible, like a, a super deep sleep. I guess it's possible. You can get vivid dreams or nightmares. That happens. You can get headache, dizziness, nausea. So I don't know if you had any of those things. Or you can be confused the next day. There is something which my patients ask me about all the time, about increasing your risk of seizures. So if you have a seizure disorder, it increases your risk. I don't really find that the evidence is that strong for that. And certainly I haven't found that in my clinical practice. So a lot of patients ask me about that, but I'm like, I'm like, just take it. I'm not that worried about it. So I don't think personally it has that many side effects, but I think you just have to take it 
properly and just be a bit aware of what's the brand that you're taking. Is it reputable or not? And could it be something else? Okay, just as we wrap up this conversation, and I'm obviously not going to be taking melatonin. <laughs> I had a bad experience and this made it just worse talking yeah. to you about it. But there might be other people like me who are also struggling with sleep. What are alternatives to melatonin besides the idea of, you know, getting up early and sort of tiring your body throughout the day, you know, with exercise and meditation exercises. Are there other things, are there other products out there that you... Uh, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily recommend other products. Certainly, like if you want to go the medication route, your your physician can recommend medicines for you. But I honestly wouldn't wouldn't do that. Red wine and a fat joint, huh? Oh God! Doctor's orders. You know, just so we know the dosing, five years old, maybe one to two milligrams, six to 12 years old, maybe one to three milligrams, and teenagers and adults, you could take one to five milligrams. Definitely start on the lowest dose possible and increase up. Sometimes the melatonin only comes as like a three milligram, but try and find the one that comes as the lowest dose possible. And you can even half, if it's a pill, just you can even half it, you know? You don't need to take that much because, so remember, one milligram is kind of the minimum, but when you look at how much melatonin the average adult brain produces it's 0.1 milligram to 0.9 milligram so anytime you're taking it in a pill you're taking more than your body produces now i don't know if we really talked about this are we as though i'm a doctor all of a sudden does the medical community assume that if you are not sleeping at night it is because your melatonin is not releasing, like there's something deficient in your melatonin release? Very good question. No, unless maybe you, like, like we talked about patients with autism or people who have actual brain problem or the children I see, then you can hypothesize there may be a problem with the melatonin. And there is some studies that kind of look at melatonin levels. So, but in general, no. So this is kind of, it's kind of answering your first question about what else we can do. Insomnia, in the vast, vast majority of patients is due to anxiety and stress. The vast majority. And I think when we all think about ourselves, when we've had trouble sleeping, that's that's like, so maybe addressing the underlying issue. So it's not because you have a deficiency of melatonin. It's so the melatonin is kind of helping that. It's the treatment, but it's not the underlying problem, right? And so maybe you should just address the underlying problem. The other things that you can do is what we call sleep hygiene, right? So sleep hygiene is making sure that you're getting a good amount of rest because being overtired, so everybody should be getting eight hours of sleep a night. I know some people can get by with less, but really that's that should be the ideal. If you're staying up late, sometimes that in itself makes, you know, you think you're staying up late, I should be able to fall asleep well. But sometimes that, because now you're off your cycle, again, it becomes hard to fall asleep. You should only use your bed for sleeping and not for anything else. So not for watching TV. Reading is probably fine. But the big issue we have is screens, right? Because we said that light sources will stop or slow melatonin release. That also includes blue light from smartphones, laptops, tablets, etc., So we are, when we're on our phones, we're purposely suppressing our melatonin levels. So that's why we suggest that you don't have any screens for an hour before you're going to fall asleep. And so reading is good. There's some people who suggest reading fiction is better than nonfiction. Nonfiction is too real. So uh, Mm. read fiction. The reading is good. And then, of course, not drinking anything before. And so you don't have to get up and go to the bathroom. So those people have not read some of the books I've read. There's some fiction I've read that has kept me awake for uh, the entire night, just in fear of, especially, you know, like sci fi or apocalyptic stuff. You know, one of the greatest books I ever read is called American War. But do not read that at night. Marrow Thieves that I mentioned earlier, also do not read that at night. So that's not really the best. Read about Winston Churchill, Napoleon. Read biographies. That's what I think. So other things is exercise every day. I think we all know this, right? People who exercise every day. You notice this the most when you're exercising a lot and then you're sleeping really well, then you stop exercising. You think that you're going to have more energy, but you actually have less and then you can't sleep. It's like all backwards, right? So exercising for sure. And Caffeinated products, obviously, you need to limit. The best thing you could do if you're having trouble sleeping, no more caffeinated products. Just eliminate them completely from your diet. I'm really glad you mentioned that. I have a couple of friends, culturally, because where they come from in the world, they cannot fathom the idea 
of not having coffee, but there are also people who will have coffee after dinner, right? A little shot of espresso. No, it's just a shot of espresso. And then these are people who have trouble sleeping. I'm like, you know, caffeine. And then the response I often hear is like, well, I can have a, a shot of coffee and go straight to bed. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. But what is happening? That caffeine is in your system while you're sleeping. And obviously you're having, so I, from a personal standpoint, I was told by somebody, I was like bossed around basically by somebody who was not a doctor, but somebody who had also struggled with sleeping. And she said, don't have any coffee after noon. And I was like, well, you know, I usually like the third, by three or four, I'll have my lunch. She's like noon. I was like, well, you know, and she was like noon. I was like, okay, take it easy. Mm. But I followed that. And as I said to you, I, you know, I have this drug friendly body. And so caffeine also is affecting me. And I found once I had a noon cutoff, I slept much, much better. And most of the people who suffer from some type of insomnia, if you're having coffee afternoon, at least give that a try. Like, because mm-hmm. most people have that afternoon slump, right? Two or three. Mm-hmm. That's when mm-hmm. picking up. If you can push through that with some push-ups or some breathing exercise, something, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. go sprint up a hill for five minutes. I know that that really helped me out in a huge way. So in summary, Ali, your thoughts on melatonin? Not great is what I'm trying to say. Asif, in case you're not sure what that raspberry sound is. So that's our episode for today. Let us know what you guys thought about this episode, what you thought about our thoughts on entertainment we consumed this summer. Did you agree or disagree? I bet you lots of people are going to disagree with me, especially about Oppenheimer. And I think dis- people are going to disagree with you when you said the only thing people should be doing in their bed is sleeping. I think you're going to have some people who have very healthy relationships who are going to reach out to you and be like, you're a sad man. Okay. Anyway, definitely reach out to us with your comments, drvcomedian at gmail.com, drvcomedian on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We are everywhere. Ali, anything going on in September? We start filming Run the Burps, season three, which will come out in January. As I mentioned, it's on the CW in the US. The first season started airing in mid-July or late July. And you'll be getting that second season soon, a season that I'm particularly proud of and really like. And then besides that, uh, standupali.com. And you can see a variety of places where I'm performing little, you know, literary festivals. I'll be in PEI September 14th, 15th. If we have friends, listeners in in Charlottetown, I'll be in Ottawa at the end of September. I'm I'm, going to get around. I'm going to get around a little bit. Yeah. Well, remember that although I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. Medical issues, we talk about it for your interest and information only, and they're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you.